Welcome to On the Road to Chautauqua, the Interlake Trail, Leader Projects Manitoba's podcast, where you'll get to know the team of artists and friends that are making this celebration of community and art from this land a reality. Leader Projects Chautauqua, the Interlake Trail, explores the highways and hidden pathways that connect urban and rural citizens. It's our tour of Manitoba's Interlake, where we connect and work with rural citizens to celebrate our collective creative spirit. My name is Tanner Manson, and I'm your host. Come on the road with me. On the road this week, we have the Chautauqua the Interlake Trail architects, Ardiff Boxel and Andrea Sardison, talking about the vision for the Chautauqua and how all the special places and memories from the previous tour and how what we're excited for going forward this time around. So I hope you enjoy. Hi, Ardith. <laughs> Hi, Andrea. It's so nice to share the stage with you again. I know. It's I've... been a long time. I know. I feel like maybe the last time we did that was when we were doing a reading of a short history of Crazy Bone on that tiny stage um, in uh, Arburg at their little hall. Do you remember we did that oh, yeah. for a little cabaret night? Yeah, at the Heritage Village. At the Heritage Village. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But here we are again. I know. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so we're going to talk about the vision of the Chautauqua, where it all sort of started from what's kind of been a guiding um, principles or ideas as this has grown over the last couple of years. And I'm going to ask you about that because it's been your right. idea and vision. So why don't you take us back to like 2016, young Ardith Boxall, young Andrea Sardison <laughs> on the road together. <laughs> what was your sort of original impetus to take um, the work of theater projects from Winnipeg out on the road? Mm -hmm. I think... Um, after you know a decade of, of programming and producing plays for the stage for a Winnipeg audience exclusively, um, I was feeling like um, I, I kind of I felt like I got displaced as an artist because you know when you're in an environment like this, you're in a black box, you're in a room um, that's completely artificial. There's stage lights, you can't see the audience, you can't really barely see the whites of their eyes. There's a fake plant. There's a fake plant. Um, <laughs> you know, the lights go up, the lights go down, the lights come on, everybody's gone. And while a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of beautiful stories get told and, and experiences had between the audience and the artists on stage, it isn't a connection of place in the same way, um, it's a place in your mind and it's a place for the time that you've come together as a group. But it, for me as an artist, it started to feel disconnected. I felt disconnected to the land that I was on. I felt like in order for me to um, keep finding meaningful ways of sharing performing arts, I needed to share learn and share from the people who we were here to serve. So not people that I couldn't see, but people that I was learning from who lived in places that I couldn't learn about. It's, it's an, an even simpler way of, of thinking about it is, um, what are the stories of the people who are living in this land, Manitoba, that I don't know about? I can't presume to know all their stories. I have some that I could share, 
but I need to learn and grow as an artist and as a Manitoban and as a, as a, as a, you know, as a human being on the planet Earth by, um, by learning from other people. And I read a beautiful article about, it, it's not a new movement, popular theater or community engaged theater is not a new movement. It's been happening for as long as there's been storytelling. Um, it happens in rural communities all the time, whether there's a stage or not. It happens where anybody gathers to tell stories. So, uh, But I read this beautiful article about uh, some young theater artists, um, recent graduates of a school program in the United States who, who went and lived in a community, a smaller town outside a major center. I think it was in maybe in outside of Boston um, in Massachusetts. And they... Uh, lived in the community for three months, four months even, and they auditioned and they had uh, folks in the community building the sets. Like they they went and lived, and they set up their you know their sign out on the street outside the outside the empty shop. You know, um, so picture this in your town. <laughs> Is there an empty building that you know you want to set up a little shingle that says you know theater here? <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, is the mechanic on the highway, is he actually a great carpenter? And could he build the set? And anyway, they made this, they did a beautiful production of, uh, it, was a, it was a Chekhov play. I don't know if it was Three Sisters or, um, you know, one of those plays about longing for home and longing for a place. And, um, and the trials and tribulations these young artists had in, in working with uh, actors in the community, and uh, I did say trials and tribulations and, and celebrations, mm -hmm. actually, because it was quite extraordinary. And I thought, I want to do that. I don't, I don't want to always make plays for people I can't see and learn from. So there. And I, I always want to do what other the thing that nobody else is doing. <laughs> well, why would you? Yeah. Why would we do the same thing as everyone else? That's well, there's a, the city has a lot of arts, mm -hmm. and so there's no shortage um, of experiences for folks who happen to live in a large urban center. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a lack uh, of the same opportunities. It's much harder to access. Um, even with the internet, it's harder to access artistic programming when you live outside of the urban center. And it's significantly more expensive for people who live outside of yeah. the urban center to do that, yeah. for sure. Yeah. There's something, like, just in the conversations we've been having here of the theater in the last few days and the conversations we've been having on the road and with the artists over the past number of years who have been working on this project, just that comes to mind when you talk about, like, going back to the land, which mm -hmm. I think is also... Um, in some ways, like an act of reconciliation, like we were talking mm -hmm. about, like the land acknowledgments that happen in theaters in artificial spaces, mm -hmm. and um, and using the land that we're gathered on as our common our, our common stage in a yeah. way to kind of like unearth the stories mm -hmm. that have been living here for hundreds of years, but also the stories that connect us as like urban, as rural settler and indigenous. Mm -hmm. And there's something. Um, that's always been really inspiring to me about this project. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, the original name of the project that you came up with, This Land Floods, you didn't, you, that you yeah. borrowed, we can talk about that, yeah. just being about looking at how the water and how the land connects us as people, I think has always been unique in a yeah. way. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that from your perspective. Absolutely. Come to know who you are on, on, on the land is to know 
the stories of the land before you came to be, right? So in my own search for uh, understanding my place here and my history or my family's history, it's a quest. It's a quest to know what those stories are. And until you, tr you know what they are, until you, you go in, s in search of them, then, then, you, then you're, you're not lacking, but you're, you're bereft of them. I felt bereft of the stories of my own, of my own land. It, it, there's a beautiful uh, a poet. Uh, her name is Katharina Vermette, and she, with her permission, she wrote a beautiful poem. And there's a, la a, a, a line of poetry about Winnipeg, and it says, this land floods. And if we think of the waterways as the connectors, if you take everything else off the map, have you ever seen one of those beautiful maps of Canada that are just the waterways? The extraordinary uh, interconnectedness. It's almost like the water becomes the land and the land disappears. You know, it, it goes in reverse of that. And I, so I took that as a starting place, you know, to trace those stories. And the interlake, even though it's so close to Winnipeg, like lots of people are from the interlake. Lots of people go there. It is accessible. Mm -hmm. But we forget how it is really like a, a maritime yeah. maritime prairie. An inland ocean. Yeah. An yeah. inland ocean. And there are people that live off the lakes there. Yeah. And there are people whose all the recreation is the lakes. And I think the more that this land floods came alive so much more as we learned those stories of yeah. people, um, how the rivers were connecting them and how there had been that huge flood in 2011, I think. Um, mm -hmm in Lake Manitoba and how that impacted people. But yeah, the interlake really embodies that idea of being trapped between water. And what else about the interlake kind of inspired you to, to go there first? And in 2018, we did the first tour and mm -hmm. then returned there again. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think growing up, I spent a lot of time uh, in the south basin of Lake Winnipeg and Petersfield and Nutley Creek and on the water and knowing that I, I couldn't, you know, and then up Lake Winnipeg. And also the idea that I have family history in the interlake that I still only partially know about. And also that the, the, the communities are such a, many of them are such a, a beautiful blend of our province's history, that, that blend of indigenous, uh, francophone, Métis and settler communities that that's where the history, that's where our, our history really lives. And, and those, the stories that I need to understand and know about are, are in those, the proximity of those communities living so close together. And also that, you know, for, for us at Theatre Projects, that, that we could, we had the ability to access and, and, and come, quite practically come to and fro from those mm -hmm. places yeah well well you know it is a long you know a hefty drive to Ashern for a day trip it's still a sort of a manageable we could start here in Winnipeg and we could we could start to trace our footsteps up and the highways of course split up six seven eight nine going up like in a little web as as Ian Ross talks about in um, in some of the work that he's creating for this tour now he talks about it, wherever you are on the highway, you're, you could be going north. The highway could be leading you north, but it can also be leading you south. So mm -hmm. for us to, to traverse the south to the north and the north to the south and all points in between. 
we've made uh, over the last five years of spending time, is it five years or four years spending time on the road, yeah. made some really beautiful connections with those communities. I know. I know. Some, some of which we visited only in the first tour, some of which we're only visiting for this tour yeah. and some overlap. So let's talk about those those communities a little yeah. bit. For our tour, we're going to start off in Ericsdale. And in our original tour, we did a lot of Highway 6, like Ericsdale and Asher and Moosehorn, up, up to Gypsonville and Panamutang and Steep Rock. And now we're kind of like condensing Highway 6 into the Ericsdale area. There are super hosts. There are super hosts because they involve so <laughs> many so many people from around yeah. that highway. So what is it to you that like is the essence of Ericsdale from oh. your time spent there? <laughs> oh, I know. How about, well, you asked that. That's such a beautiful question. Why don't we flip it and I'll ask you what yeah. embodies Ericsdale. Uh, well, first of all, we also, like going, going back to the Interlake, we originally thought we would hit a whole different part of the province, mm -hmm. but we had to come back to the Interlake because yeah. we felt we'd barely scratched the surface. And, and the idea of going back is to go up and down those roads again and sort of deepen the tracks and deepen the relationships and and deepen the learning and the story possibilities. So mm -hmm. anyway. Um, Eric Steele to me and Asher and I think a lot about, I think about this in Arburg too, but um, it really comes to mind first in Eric Steele is this sort of volunteerism and community spirit that's mm -hmm. there. The community is is small and, and, and feels sometimes like it's getting smaller in a way but there's such a active community there that is really a really talented community there's so many murals there's yeah. so many people who are really interested in like putting on their own theater productions mm -hmm. um and people who are just champions of like of bringing the community to life yeah and i think their 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 desire also to have arts programming through whether it's community choir or mm -hmm. that, that they already do with with the dancers and all the that dolly all the work that she does to to make sure there are options for kids who aren't just playing hockey not that the hockey is a bad thing i love hockey <laughs> but but you know that 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 uh that it's really a, about a shrinking population not about a shrinking spirit yes. or a belief that 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 it's a beautiful place to live and that that there's a there is a bright future mm -hmm. you know and the, the willingness to roll up their sleeves and get to work mm -hmm. to to provide those opportunities was so clear hey yeah and they're very much yes people like everything's yeah. like yep tell us what you need yep we'll yeah. do it yep and and very very generous hosts mm -hmm. yeah I look forward <laughs> lots of laughs with that community too like mm -hmm. I think about like Patsy and Merle mm -hmm. just really great artists and uh, looking forward to connecting with them again for sure. Mm -hmm. And then we travel up to Arburg, which we always talk about being like a kind of a booming city. It's kind of like it is it when is. a lot of cities feel like they're getting smaller when we visit them or towns, I should say, or whatever, RMs. Arburg is just like, it's like we got everything happening and more happening all the time, more people coming all the time. Yeah. I, I think all of our work there is kind of mostly revolved around the heritage village and the amazing mm -hmm. volunteers that are there keeping all of the different heritages or histories of the different cultures yeah. that have lived there alive which is really inspiring as well mm -hmm. and the um oh that just was uh, just a, i just fell right off i fell you know what i was thinking about what i was thinking about well i was thinking about the bakery and then i was thinking about 
uh, going to Owens for, for chicken, some chicken fingers. Some chicken fingers were just raw. dreaming with the just chicken thinking fingers. thinking about food. I started thinking about all the delicious we food. We ate a lot of good food there. And we yeah. we did pierogi making classes. And vina terta. vina terta making. making classes. And really, honestly, every time we got together there and get together, there's always food. Always food and always coffee. And what a beautiful legion. It is a beautiful legion. It's the, I think it's the nicest legion I've ever been in. Yeah. We had a really Hands great, down. great night there last time where we had a kitchen party, an East Coast style yeah. kitchen party that just, yeah. we had, I don't know, maybe like eight or nine guitars. And yeah. it, that's the thing I like about this tour is um, I feel like working as a professional artist in, in Winnipeg, Winnipeg's not even a huge city, but like you think about art as your job, right? And you fight for your art to mm -hmm. be your job and you fight mm -hmm. to be recognized as a professional artist. And sometimes in doing that, you lose the passion for mm -hmm. it because it becomes work and um, going to places like Arberg and that night where we were all playing music together mm -hmm. like to me I when I came back from the tour I met so many real artists you know the people are like doing it for the love of it and they're mm -hmm. like making it happen in their community not because of the money but because they love doing it they love connecting with people and mm -hmm. they love sharing their their art and talent and passion with other people. My phone was full of video clips from the kitchen party at the Arburg Legion because I got to, because I'm not a musician, I kind of was in the background just listening, like, and tapping my toes. And then we got up, we got to dance. Everyone mm -hmm. started dancing. Which is my favorite thing in the world. And, and I just got to, it was dance. like watching, watching the community all making art with some of our artists who were musicians. And I just got to dance mm -hmm. and enjoy it. And it was so, so, so liberating. And, and it's just such a, to be, uh, it, it, it was their party. It was their mm -hmm. art. It was their, the community's expression of joy and music. And I got, in a sense, got to be the audience. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's like, okay, I know where I am. I know, you know, I've, I've, we've talked all week with these folks. We've, we've, we've made pierogies with them, we've been in schools, their kids have, you know, uh, had improv classes with our artists, we're staying in their homes, mm -hmm. and now I'm just dancing while you're making music. Like, what a joy. Yeah. All the I dancing. Don't know. We shouldn't talk too much about oh, it because I know, I've, otherwise I know. everyone's going to want to go. I know, and, because there know. are things that we, you know, you know <laughs> we're finding really as as joyful expressions of what we can do in this sort of strange, socially distant time. Um, but, and, and I know they'll be fun and, and, and joyful as well. They'll just be a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We go to Riverton as well. And to me, that is such like a, a, hum a humble place. I don't know if that's the right word, but like there's so much history that starts in Riverton that's mm -hmm. been associated with other areas like mm -hmm. Gimli or even Arburg. And they're just like, well, it's actually our, okay, that, <laughs> you know, that's our story. But, and, and, and I'm really interested to go to, we didn't spend as much time there previously, but I'm really interested to go and be in that mm -hmm. community. It's like, that's such a, a diverse community. Yeah. And we were able to bring some really great work there last time. So I don't know. I'm just looking forward to learning more about Riverton mm -hmm. going back there. Yeah, I got I became obsessed. I became obsessed with it to reading that the um the the oh my gosh, the fishing the book about uh, um, yeah, Vikings on a Prairie Vikings Ocean. Vikings on a Prairie Ocean. Vikings on a Prairie Ocean. So I read that whole book and I'd 
was underlining it and I was, ta I was tabbing it. I didn't really know what I could do with it. And I realized well, I, it, it already is its most beautiful expression of what it's supposed to be, which is a, a history of, of fishing on the lake and the, the communities, Icelandic, settler, indigenous, Métis communities that, 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 that were responsible for the, for the commercial mm -hmm. fishing industry, but also um, the sailing and the, the, the beauty and the volatility of Lake Winnipeg itself and, and, and what it took to make a living off that lake. And, um, and of course, the train and, and the train bringing people up uh, into that part of the interlake. And it's like, a, it feels it like a, a, rough, a rough town, all, but then you, there's so many layers of like magic and spirituality and, yeah. and history and from all the cultures there. Yeah. Because I think because it's right on the river, right yeah. on the lake, that is really special. And something I've noticed lately too is, and maybe it's because I've, I follow a lot of things about, the, uh, you know, social media, Riverton and, and uh, uh, groups and, you know, meanwhile in Riverton or, or the, you know, the, the incredible friendship center there and, and anything really, like in through the interlake tourism, I'll, I'll, I get a lot of stuff in my social media feeds about Riverton and you know what they're always in the news for? What? Their, their, their volunteerism mm -hmm. and, their, and their, their care for community. Yeah. And raising money and pro you know, providing services and opportunities for all of their citizens. Yeah. Like giving it, away it, bread and giving away it's gourds in, it's amazing. and everything. Yeah. yeah. I know. And yeah. it's super inspiring. Yeah. 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 They really take care of each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, and that's one of the communities that we've had opened up to us from all ages very yeah. easily because that community is operating as a yeah. very cohesive, yeah. it feels like a very a cohesive community with mm -hmm. um, across generations. Mm -hmm. And then after the beautiful Riverton, then we're going to go to Selkirk, which we've never gone to before. I we're just know. learning about now. <laughs> but wow, are they ever on it yeah. and keen. Yeah. And I'm so excited to to be in that beautiful park that they have and yeah. work with the, the city there. Everyone's just been so welcoming. Great partners. Great, great partners, yeah. yeah. And Selkirk has huge, huge history. Yeah. Hi like history of displacement and history of like uh, the Selkirk settlers, obviously, and mm -hmm. being kind of the beginning of where the lake starts to grow. Yeah, you know, and the steel and the mm -hmm. the the economic driver and the economic contributions of the industry there to yeah. the economy, you know, and how it's grown too, mm -hmm. because when I used to go up to Petersfield, we would never we could never see the outskirts of Selkirk. We'd pass and we'd take the we'd pass it, um, not go into it, but go go west of it to go up towards Clandeboy. And now when you go up and down that highway, you take that little curve there, the city's encroached mm -hmm. right out on almost to the highway. Mm -hmm. So you can zip off the highway and get a Timmy's and then zip back on the highway without. But it looks so, you know, it looks so new and bustly. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and the city of Selkirk's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when I think about the the most special things of the Pashatakwa mm. that I'm hoping will happen again. And I know they will, even though we have to, you know, act around each other in a different way than before. Yeah. I just think about like the, those kind of cozy conversations mm -hmm. around coffee or desserts or 
eating in people's homes or finding a new dance partner at yeah. the bar who's like 40 years older than I am <laughs> and a better dancer or like just those sort of one-on-one -on -one intimate moments, which yeah. I think the Chautauqua, the Chautauqua yeah. does very, very well. Um, yeah. But yeah, what are you, what are you most looking forward to when we return in a couple months? Well, I mean, the most immediate thing is actually is honestly for me is just um, the uh, horizon, like the the land and the sky, because because even though Winnipeg is a small city, there's not that many tall buildings. Being being north of the city just allows you that fr that, that physical freedom. There's something about mm -hmm. it just allows your whole spirit out, you know. Um, but I I'm uh, I'm looking forward to, I love the community spaces. I love the churches and the community halls, the storefronts. I love outside of the libraries. I love the little tiny stages. I, I love uh, what happens at the end of a street when, the, when there's nothing at the end of the street, you know, but, but field. Because I see all those things as possibilities. Mm -hmm. What might happen here? You know, what, what encounter might take place or what song lyric might it inspire? Um, and I think seeing the young people, you know, mm -hmm. um, being outside. Maybe we'll have to dance, have a socially distanced outdoor dance. I think certainly yeah. we'll have to do that. And, yeah. and making beautiful s performance spaces um, outside or near those buildings or in the field or in the rodeo grounds, like turning those community spaces into performance spaces so that we can be safe, but that we can celebrate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What are you most looking forward to? Well, this time I get to bring my husband with me yeah. and I get to bring my kid with me who was in, in, in my belly in the ninth month of my pregnancy on the last tour. That's right. So I'm excited to introduce them to the communities and have them be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this yeah. has been really nice. We could talk about the Chautauqua all day. But uh, yeah, thank you for bringing me onto the Chautauqua because oh it's allowed me to like think about the value of the work that I do in a different way. So yeah. that's been a... That's been one of the biggest benefits to me personally. I'm excited mm -hmm. to go back to the fresh air. I know. Yeah. We're coming. We're coming. We're coming for you. <laughs> We're coming for you, Interlake. We're coming for you, fresh air. <laughs> awesome. Theater projects will be hitting the road from May 27th to June 20th, where we will be premiering the projects of 10 artists via outdoor events and digital platforms. Thank you to our host communities, Eric Searle, Arberg, Riverton, and Selkirk, and for everyone in the Interlake that has joined and helped us along the way. Be sure to check out Chautauqua The Interlake Trail, a socially distanced art festival celebrating and exploring Manitoba's Interlake. <laughs>